Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Chicago's Legal Latte, a series of podcasts brought to you by Lavelle Law Limited. Throughout this series, the attorneys from Lavelle Law will share their answers to questions about a variety of topics for individuals and small businesses. To participate in today's discussion, you can email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com. Good afternoon, and welcome back to our weekly conversation on legal topics. Hi, everybody. This is Jim Mitchell, and as always, pleasure to be speaking with you again. Um, Today, we're going to take the next step on a topic we've discussed before, as I'll be joined by Lavelle Law attorney Emil Alicas. Emil is a member of the family law practice at Lavelle Law, and in the past, uh, he's spoken to us about a number of uh, various issues, including custody agreements. So what we're going to do today is, is go beyond the process we've discussed in, in establishing those agreements and, and look at ways in which existing agreement, agreements might be modified if necessary. So we've got uh, a little twist on it, a little more detail than we've been able to get to in the past. So first of all, Emil, uh, thanks for taking the time. Nice to have you with us again. Oh, thanks for having me again. So before we get into the subject of making changes, let's just take a step back if we can. Maybe you could give us a quick recap from past discussions on, you know, custody agreements in general. You know, what do they cover? And at a really high level, you know, how do they get established in the first place? Okay, yeah, uh, custody agreements are usually uh, agreements made by the parents on issues related to the children. So we're not talking uh, financial things usually. Uh, You know, things that will be addressed in a custody agreement are things like uh, residential custody, you know, which parent will be the primary caretaker of of the child or children as part of the marriage. It will also address things like visitation rights, parenting time, as we call it. Uh, it could also address things on decision-making, who makes decisions regarding what school the child will attend, what religion they're going to practice, what doctors or types of doctors they're going to see. Um, so that's what a custody agreement is. It's separate than what people think of in a settlement agreement as a whole, which addresses property division, debts, things like that. Usually custody judgments don't address that. Got it. Okay. And, you know, when you talk about that, I, I immediately think of divorce proceedings this would cover that, but also there's uh, just paternity suits in which the couple is not married as well, right? Oh, absolutely correct. So uh, custody agreements are common in divorce cases, but also paternity cases where, like you said, the parties are not married. Okay. All right, so let's let's start fresh here now. We've got a custody agreement in place. Um, can either of the people involved in that, either the parents, then attempt to initiate a change? Um, they can. So it, it depends. <laughs> Joint custody agreements usually have a provision in there for mediation regarding any changes that the parties want to make. Now, you've got two types of couples. You've got couples that are amicable and, and can make changes all the time with their custody agreements. So even you know maybe when they were divorced or when that order was first entered, the kids were only like two years old or four years old, very young. But as kids get older, they are involved in more activities, sports, school, things change. And most most of the time, parents are pretty um, uh, agreeable and are able to work out these differences on their own without even stepping foot into court. Now, what we're going to talk about are the parents that can't do that. So what are the steps to do that? Well, when there's a custody agreement in place, most provisions, uh, excuse me, most agreements will have a provision in there that requires that the parties mediate any change that one party is seeking to change within that agreement. So whether it's visitation, whether it's custody, whether it's 
uh, you know, the school, whatever it is, the parties are required to mediate outside of courts. And in the event that they can't reach an agreement via mediation, then they'll have the authority or the power to come into court to file a motion to have a judge order the other parent or seek the change from a judge, and despite whether the other parent agrees or not. Okay. So a couple of things I'd like to follow up on there. First of all, you'd mentioned the you know situation where people are amicable, uh, or perhaps whether they're not using mediation. If if the two people can agree on how they would like to change the existing agreement, can they just proceed with that? Or even if they all agree, they still have to get some sort of a document through the court. Um, you know, it's preferable that they get a document from the court. So whatever change was made by agreement, they should probably have that memorialized in a court order, just so it's clear that you know the, pre- the pre-existing settlement agreement has been amended to include now this, you know, something like that. But do you necessarily need to do that? Uh, Probably not, uh, but the reason that lawyers would prefer it that way is in the event that there's a dispute as to what the agreement was, you'd have a court order that you could pull up and say, no, well, here's what the change is now. Whereas if you have these you know, side agreements, quote-unquote, those are a little bit more difficult because people's memory get foggy and you know, people dispute what they agreed to in the past. It's always preferable to have a court order, but do you absolutely need one? Probably not if the parents can get along well enough. Okay. So let's um, let's talk about the the process for mediation, and, and I think I heard you say, you know, in some cases, then if it goes to court, where a judge has to make a decision and, and sort of force an issue, um, what should people expect to go through? Uh, they they want to make a change, um, perhaps they're not agreeing on everything. What what kind of process does that look like in terms of the mediation and then ultimately court? The, the mediation agreement, uh, excuse me, the custody agreement will usually have. Um, a selected mediator that the parties will use in the event that there's a dispute. Now, whether it's an actual individual, maybe it's the same mediator that helped them reach this agreement during their case, or it could just be somebody separate or just an agency. So they'll usually list uh, a party or entity that will handle the mediation process. And usually the way it works is one parent will want to change uh, to an agreement. The other party may not necessarily agree right away, so they'll submit a request for mediation. And then the, the proper cha- the proper method is to go through mediation, um, and if there is no agreement, then you would have the authority or, or the I guess the standing to file your petition in court. To, at that point, have a judge decide for you. Um, now you have some parties that will follow those rules, but you have other parents that sometimes will say, you know what, forget mediation because we're not going to agree. And you know, mm-hmm. so as long as there's either a mediation that actually occurs or a rejection from the other parents. Then you've got the uh, the open door basically to you know go in front of a judge and have he or she decide that issue. Okay, uh, we're talking today with uh, Attorney Emil Alacas of the Family Law Practice at, at LaBelle Law Limited, and you know he and his colleagues join me each week here for a discussion on a wide range of legal topics. And uh, before we get back to the conversation, it's a great time to compliment uh, both Emil and all the folks at LaBelle Law. They're wrapping up their Ninth annual Palatine Food Drive, third annual Arlington Food Drive. Uh, these are great civic events. 100% of the donations they receive go right to local food pantries, and as always, it's a it's a great effort that helps over 500 families a year. Um, so uh, always a, a great accomplishment. Um, we're heading into the holidays. Uh, this is, I'm sure, a time when people take a look at um, custody agreements and visitation and things like that because it's a it's a important time of year. Go back to what you said earlier, Emil, in terms of this 
So a custody agreement would include then the, the visitation rights, and that's maybe part of what's at at at, uh, at risk here, or at least uh, at qu- in question in terms of what people want to change. Correct. Yes, visitation is usually the um, the higher percentages of the, for the reasons for changing custody agreements because when children are younger, the visitation schedules. Um, you know, were were great during that period of time, but as they get older and different things occur in their lives, whether it's activities or school, and parents or maybe a parent has a job change or things happen in people's lives that, you know, for the next 18 years, it's hard to stay within that first schedule that was established when the parties entered that agreement. So usually visitation is an issue that uh, will be one of the issues that people will seek to change in an agreement. Um, and again, that process involves going to mediation first, and then ultimately having a judge decide in the event that the parties can't agree. And do these agreements, again, going back to previous discussions, usually cover the child up until they're 18, or at, at what point do, does an agreement um, stop having an impact? Uh, it's usually when the child is 18, uh, parties afforded visitation rights. But typically when a child's around 14, 15, 16 even, um, at that point in time, usually the, the Children don't want to hang out with their parents for visitation. You know, they'll, they'll rather hang out with school friends or do something else. Um, so courts are a little bit more lenient in terms of enforcing visitation when a child's in their teenage years than it would be if a child is only, like, for example, six or seven years old. And, and what does the court look for? Obviously, they've, they've got uh, parents here who perhaps have some sort of a disagreement over potential changes. One, one wants a change, maybe the other doesn't. How do they go about making a decision to, to side with one or the other? Uh, well, it depends on what the parties are seeking to change. Now, if a party is seeking to change custody, uh, that's a little bit of a more rigid uh, uh, method to, or routine that you would need to, to get that change. So visitation, for example, uh, you would need to show what we call a substantial change in circumstances. So basically, you'd have to show a significant change between when that order was last entered and the time that you are now seeking to change. So one would have to say, you know, this has changed in my life or in the child's life, and therefore I need to now change visitation. Now, custody, for example, let's say a mom uh, was awarded residential custody, whether it was by a judge giving that award or whether the parties agreed uh, to give mom custody. Now, if a dad, for example, wants to now change that, um, he would not have the ability to do so within the first two years of entry of that order unless there was issues of endangerment to either the physical health or the mental health of a child. So basically, you have two years to, you're stuck with that order for two years unless there's an issue dealing with endangerment. Uh, But let's say there is no endangerment. So you'd still have to wait full two years, and then you'd still also have to show this substantial change in circumstances again. Um, So you've got two requirements to change custody. You've got the two-year waiting period, and then you've got this other substantial change that needs to occur before changing that. But again, that two-year waiting period only applies to changing custody. Uh, things like changing a visitation schedule or changing, um, you know, pick-up and drop-off location points or school change, things like that. That doesn't require a two-year waiting period. You just you still have to show that there's been a substantial change. Okay, and uh, I assume one big factor would be if one of the parents uh, relocates, needs to move, and even if it's you know, still in the area, but maybe a further suburb or somewhere further away, or in fact have to, for a job change or some other reason, move away, I assume that that becomes a very, very critical issue then to review. Yeah, absolutely, yes. And again, so you would expect the parents to talk about that change between themselves. 
If they can't, take the next step, go to mediation. If you still can't agree, then then you've got the open door to file your petition in court. Uh, but again, so the judge will still want to see that there's been a substantial change. So, for example, in your scenario, you know, a job change or uh, a location, you know, let's say the person gets remarried and now their fiancé lives 60 miles away, you still, have to, you still have to show the change, but then you've also got to remember that everything that has to be done has to be in the best interest of the child. Um, so that's always a standard that will never go away. Um, so the best interest is always there, uh, but more importantly, you have to show a change in circumstances for you to be able to even step into court. Okay. So in general, if someone finds himself in this situation one way or another, um, best advice would be first to you know get with their attorney, review the agreement that's in place, and then look at mediation options if that's necessary, but always uh, always start with their attorney to kind of get a, a plan before they take any action. Yes, absolutely. So you want to look at the order and see what the parameters are that the parties set forth in terms of mediating any conflicts. You know, what, what is their conflict resolution procedure within that order that they've entered into? Um, usually, again, you'll see the mediation provisions in there. Uh, if it's in there, then you, you have to instruct your client, hey, Joe, you have to go through mediation first before we can do anything, and have them go through that process. And if they are able to mediate and agree on something, great. Then we'll just draft an order and get it entered. If not, then you take that next step and file your petition with the court and have the court establish um, whether that change is in the child's best interest and therefore should be implemented into the, a new order. Okay. Well, uh, again, as always, we appreciate the time that uh, Emil is able to spend with us and provide information to us. Um, you know, this 15-minute conversation always goes by in a hurry, so thanks to Emil for joining us. Um, don't forget to check LavelleLaw.com as well. You can uh, get some background on Emil, see some of his recent articles, listen to previous podcasts as well. That's all there at LavelleLaw.com. Next week, uh, Sammy Azari will be here. We'll talk about legal proceedings and the burden of proof, so I expect an uh, interesting technical discussion with him on that one. And then uh, keep in mind as well, as we get near the end of the year, Timothy Hughes, a partner at Lavelle Law Limited, planning a series of seminars on foreclosures that will be in January and February, Space Limited, but it is a free seminar. So check with Ashley at 847-705-7555 for dates and reservations. And we appreciate all of you listening. Thanks for being here. Thank you for joining us for this edition of Chicago's Legal Latte. If you have any questions or topics for a future episode, please call Lavelle Law Limited at 847-705-7555 or email us at podcast at lavellelaw.com.